Welcome to the One Question Podcast from O'Brien Governance Design, who specialise in corporate governance for the public and not-for-profit sectors. I'm Will Francis, and in each episode, I ask Trish O'Brien a different question about corporate governance. This episode, the question is, as a board secretary, how can I deliver an effective induction for board members? Hi, Trish. Hi, Will. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. So in episode one, we talked about external evaluation of public sector boards. What are we talking about today, Trish? Well, we said the last time that we'd look uh, further at some areas of governance that form part of external evaluation um, and you know things that come up uh, very often when we're doing evaluations as creating some problems maybe for secretaries and for board members. So for this episode, we're going to look at induction for board members, which is something that, you know, it happens when they join the board. Um, And again, our focus is on helping those who support boards, which is usually a secretary to the board or or an equivalent person. Right. So induction of board members, that sounds like it would apply beyond just public sector boards. Yeah, I think most of what we're saying on induction, it, it applies think equally well to not-for-profit boards and a lot of it's relevant to the private sector too. We mentioned codes of practice in the previous episode on board evaluation. What do the codes say about induction and the role of the secretary in that? Yeah, it's just it's useful sometimes just to go back to those codes and to, and to see what they say about the various topics that we're talking about. So in terms of the code of practice for the governance of state bodies, that's the code, uh, you'll recall, that's the one that applies to the public bodies. And it says that board members should receive formal induction on joining the board. So that's uh, an expectation. And it also says that under the direction of the chairperson, the responsibilities of the secretary of the board include facilitating induction, mentoring and assisting with ongoing professional development as it's required. Uh, And we're going to look at um, professional development uh, in the next episode because I think that's something that uh, is connected and and relates to induction. Mm. Then for the charity sector, we've got the Charities Governance Code uh, of the Charities Regulator. That's, That's what applies in that sector. And it says that it's vital that new charity trustees receive a proper induction to the charity and that a comprehensive induction program for new charity trustees needs to be put in place. Um, Just one thing to to mention, I suppose, is that we use the term secretary. We've been in in these podcasts, we've been saying that uh, as kind of a short uh, shorthand, as it were, but just to acknowledge that in a lot of charities and smaller organizations, it could be the responsibilities that that secretary could actually be shared amongst a, a number of people. I see, right, that's good to know. And before we get into the real nuts and bolts of um, induction, just tell me, why is that part of the process so important? Why does it really matter? So, I mean, the purpose of induction essentially is to help board members to fulfill their their roles and their responsibilities. Uh, But I think it's also, it's setting a tone, really. It's, it's, you know, it's the first introduction that a board member has to an organization. Um, They've been asked to carry out uh, an important role. They have significant responsibilities. Um, And I think the induction is the time whereby the organization first gets to engage with that board member, uh, to tell them what's important, uh, to talk to them about maybe any concerns they have about the role. And I think if it's done well, it really, it can set the stage for what happens afterwards. I can imagine that there's not really a one size fits all approach to that. You know, um, 
board members will come to that role with a range of different um, experiences and will need different levels of support during that induction, right? So, yeah, I, I think it's important in any interaction with board members to be aware that they're coming to a board with different expertise. Uh, that's why they're on the board. Uh, and you could have, you know, for instance, you could have members with direct experience um, in terms of what the organization does. So if if the organization's involved in education, the member might be a learner. Um, or if the organization is maybe in something like health related, it could be someone who's got experience of the condition that the organization is working to support. So so you have these, you know, often have members um, of boards who ha- who directly are experiencing what the organization does. And, and that's very important. So that's one type of member. You've got others who are maybe have experience of being on other boards. Um, they're very useful members, too. They they. They're the ones in particular who will hopefully help to keep the board on track in terms of looking at things strategically and, the, you know, they'll keep them things right in terms of the corporate governance and financial accountability. And then increasingly, boards also have these members with kind of specialist expertise. So maybe someone from a legal or HR background that can contribute to their knowledge to the board. So they're coming from different perspectives, but overall, what do they need to be able to do as board members? Well, if we go back to our our trusted code of practice for the governance of state bodies and the charities governance code, um, we, we take those as our reference points for for the public sector and for the not for profit um, uh, sector. I, I think you can actually break down the role of boards into three main categories. I think they're number one, they're providing strategic direction to the organization. That's what a board is doing. Second thing is that. The board is accountable for the organization, and that's that's corporate governance accountability, including financial accountability. And then I think the third thing they're doing is that they're fulfilling st- stakeholder responsibilities. So presumably those roles will influence what you cover in induction. Well, I, I think they should. Um, you know, as we said, there, there are different types of board members with different experience. It's rare, you know, it's not unheard of, but it's rare maybe to have a board member who's got uh expertise in all three areas that we're talking about, strategy, corporate and financial governance, fulfilling stakeholder responsibilities. Um, I think what you're doing initially through induction is to start building expertise across the three areas so that board members can contribute as equally as possible to uh, board discussions and to decision making. And can you tell us a bit more about each of these three categories of board responsibility? Right. Well, if we take the first one is is around providing strategic direction to the organization. Um, I think, you know, this is just hugely important. Like that the purpose of a board is really to provide oversight to an organization and to give it the benefits um, of the board members' objectivity and knowledge um, through strategic direction. And sometimes this can get lost um, uh, and boards can kind of stray into operational matters. But providing strategic direction is a hugely important part of the role of the board. And they do that, you know, primarily and first off, I guess, through a strategic plan, contributing to that. And then they're kind of there to continuously monitor activities that influence the implementation of that strategic plan. And they they work with um, the executive of the organization to do that. So that's the first thing, providing strategic direction. The second thing is is the, the part of accountability, and that's in relation to corporate governance including financial accountability. Um, the board has a has a you know obviously a, a critical role um, in terms of that and and we know what happens when things go wrong on that. 
And areas of accountability include things like, you know, financial reporting, internal controls, risk management, um, code of conduct, things like that. The board is fulfilling those accountability roles on behalf of the organization. And in doing that, it has to be able to satisfy external stakeholders. And that could be, you know, it could be funders, it could be regulators, it could be, um, you know, benefactors of what the organization does. So so accountable, accountability, being accountable uh, to others uh, uh, internally and externally. And then the third one is around this kind of what I've phrased as fulfilling stakeholder responsibilities. Um, and, you know, that, that could be the, a range of things. It could be, uh, you know, boards often have these kind of high-level responsibilities for reporting to a government department or funding body or a regulator. And that might need that kind of formality of board engagement. Um, boards are also expected to be sort of keeping the intended benefactors of their organizations at the center of decision-making uh, and to be including their views in decision-making. So, you know, for instance public body or charity involved in health would be expected to, you know, have ways to speak to patients and advocates and to take their views into consideration. So those kinds of stakeholder responsibilities, I think, are are um, the third leg, if you like, of the board's responsibilities, at least in terms of how I see it. So those main roles, again, providing strategic direction, being accountable for corporate governance, including financial governance, and fulfilling stakeholder uh, responsibilities. And I think if, if the secretary or if the person supporting the board's induction were to keep th- those roles in mind, uh, it could really help them to structure a lot of what they want to tell board members at induction. Right. So when you've been completing external evaluations of boards, what are some of the things that you've seen that could be improved upon or avoided when a secretary is putting together an induction system? Well, a few things come up regularly, which are, are maybe worth um, mentioning. And so, I, I think I think the first thing to, to try and avoid doing is is to not overload the board member with documentation that they can't digest. You know, um, board members often say to me that um, they can't remember what was covered in induction. Mostly, that just comes from uh, how the information is presented to them. Um, you know, they often get kind of a board manual. Um, they get some general introductory information at the start. You know, it's all all good and valid. But I think if the information they're given, again, could be organized, you know, more sort of around those roles, you know, the, the, the kind of categories that we've talked about um, are some other type of categorization, you know, that, that would work for the organization. But just trying to help the board member to orientate themselves around that information and to connect it with their responsibilities. Yes. So ordering the information for them from the outset and linking it to the different roles they play as a board member. They're the bigger points, but is there any other advice that you've got on induction? Just a few random things. You know, I I think in terms of format, um, you know, often inductions delivered on an in-person basis. You know, traditionally, that's always how it's been done. The board member is given it's kind of a board manual to review. I think as we're, we've become, you know, more comfortable with engaging in different formats, we should maybe think about delivering induction in a variety of ways. So, you know, for instance, some induction information could be recorded, you know, via audio or video, could provide a, an ongoing relevant source of information for the board member. Because it must be a challenge to bring that information to life for people in a way that's memorable 
and in a way that to some extent assumes that they may never go looking for that information proactively again. Um, so yeah, I suppose a blend of in-person and also uh, maybe even live video streams and recorded audio and video provide a way for anyone, whatever their availability and uh, preferences to go through the induction in, in an effective way, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And we, we kind of, um, a lot of what we do tends to be one shot. You know, you, you sit down with somebody and you go through the information and um, if they pick it up, that's great. And if they don't, they don't. But, um, you know, why not uh, think about different ways of doing that and, and having that information source available to them later on? You know, it, it makes an awful lot of sense, you know, if somebody is uh, going to be a board member for a few years, you know, there might be a later time where they want to come back to information. Yeah, but I suppose what puts some people off creating that content is that it sounds like it might require skills and equipment to produce it. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that's that's true and that can be off-putting and I've been put off myself in terms of some of those things. But, but it's like anything, I think once you um, start to get some experience of doing things and look into it, then you realise that there's some easy options. I mean, one thing we've done recently is just to record a narrative over PowerPoint slides. And, and you can do that straight from your laptop by just pressing the record button um, on PowerPoint. It's 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 really straightforward. Um, so solutions like that, I, I think, are very helpful. Um, a couple other things just I think we, we would recommend from, from speaking with board members and from doing these evaluations. I think one thing is, I think, is, is following up with board members. Um, and again, it's trying to maybe just get away from the idea that induction is just one one meeting, one time, um, one opportunity to ask questions. Um, I think maybe just, you know, keeping in touch with the board member, give them as much support as possible at the start of their term so that, you know, you're, you and they are getting the, the best value from their attendance and from, them, for them, from their contributions as well. Um, and I think, you know, just think extending your thinking on induction into at least the first meeting, uh, you know, and, and and encouraging the chair, you know, this is very important to be working with the chair on this, but also encouraging the chair to ask board members to ask questions, you know, and to identify gaps in their knowledge um, and to try and, and sort of get to grips with things uh, as early as possible. But just encouraging that open conversation and, and again, acknowledging that not everybody is going to know everything. That's that's just not 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 uh, feasible. The, the third thing that I just to mention, I think, is, is induction for subcommittees. And, and generally, this doesn't happen. Um, I think it's really worth providing subcommittee induction because what you have are board members, and you could have quite experienced board members, who are then asked to serve in a subcommittee. And sometimes it's just assumed that they know the business of that subcommittee. Um, uh, and, and often they don't because it, it can be much more detailed than than what they're they're seeing at a board level. So I think it's just very important to take the time to um, talk through with that new committee member what the purpose of that committee is. Um, and it, it'll just accelerate their ability to contribute to the work of that subcommittee. Okay, so it's good to think about induction in a broader context so you can give board members as much help as possible when they're starting out. Yeah, exactly. Now, you mentioned that we're going to be talking about professional development for board members in the next podcast. Would you say there's a natural connection between uh, induction and professional development? 
Well, I think um, professional development can be looked at as kind of a continuation on from induction. It's, you know, so you've got induction is really trying to support the board member at the start to fulfill their roles. I think professional development is then, you know, how their knowledge and skills are developed further as they progress in their roles as board members. Um, you know, and as discussed in the next uh, episode, I, I, I think a, a similar approach to planning for induction could be used when planning for professional development. That's great. I look forward to talking to you about that in our next episode. Great. Thank you, Will. So having looked at how to support board members when they join the board through induction, in our next episode, we'll be talking about how to support board members on an ongoing basis through professional development. I hope you'll join us. And don't forget, you can find out more and access resources, templates and the one question guides at obriangd.ie. Thanks for listening.